It's good to see you. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. If you would turn there in your Bibles, I'd appreciate that, Ephesians 4. Proud of you for uh, being comfortable or, or actually acting like it's comfortable to pray together. It's, uh, I know it can be uncomfortable sometimes, but it's, it's so important for us to be mindful of what's going on around us and uh, be supportive of those missionaries that, are, that we support as a church and, and be prayerful about that. So thank you for doing that. Um, we are, again, in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, we are in the middle of a series, three-week series on discipleship, and then we're going to head into the book of Habakkuk in a couple weeks. Um, and discipleship is one of those things that, that we really need to understand. That's, that's the main emphasis of the church. It's that the gospel would grow in people that are growing, and that people that are growing would, would throw the gospel out to the world so that they could come to know Christ. So discipleship helps us grow uh, as a body. I, I mentioned last week in, uh, in my sermon, in my message, that, that salvation, when we come to know Christ as Savior, that is not the end of the journey. That is the beginning of the journey. And now we have this road ahead of us to, to grow and, and to, to experience uh, ups and downs and highs and lows. And how, how do we navigate that with, uh, with the Word of God, with God's people, uh, and, and with God himself as, as our sufficiency? So uh, today we are on number two. Last week we, we talked about kind of the first important aspect of discipleship, and that was vulnerable community. Right? And we, we talked about having, we have three different areas that we're going to cover. One is vulnerable community. Today we're talking about being shepherded towards submission. And next week, we're going to be talking about using our gifts uh, for the body and for the, and for the world. How do we use what God has gifted us in to, to serve others? So last week, we talked about the first important aspect, that's vulnerable community. Uh, and when we participate in vulnerable community, and, and listen, we participate in it, and we should be facilitating it as well. Uh, there's kind of a two-pronged attack. When we talk about this sermon, and there's five points, there's really going to be ten points. Because we should be looking at it from two different perspectives. If you look at your, your bulletin, you'll see on the front, it has a discipleship like a, a image. It talks about our series. Uh, we're, we're to be a disciple and we're to make disciples. So on, on two different fronts, we need to be, and I mentioned last week, we are to be disciples, which means if we're going to be a disciple, that someone is in front of us and we're reaching our hand out to that someone and holding on and getting encouragement and support, and we're, we're confessing our sins, we're talking about our failures, but that person is in front of us encouraging us along the way to be a better disciple of Christ, right? to be a, be a more committed follower of Christ. That's on one, the one side. We are to be a disciple. The other side is we are to make disciples, which means we're to be reaching down the proverbial mountain right, and grabbing onto someone who may be a little weaker in their faith or not quite, quite there and, and they don't have the life experiences or whatever it might be, but we're reaching down, helping pick them up, right? We, we want to do that for somebody. We, we want somebody to do that for us, and we ought to be doing that for somebody else. Here's the fallacy. Here's the lie. The lie is you're not ready. Because you're all, you're all saying that. I mean, in your mind, you're like, I, I'm not ready. He's not talking about me. I'll get there one day. No, we'll get there as we go, right? This is an as-we-go thing. And when Jesus said, go and make disciples, he meant as you go. Go make disciples. So all of us are somewhere doing this on the mountainside. You understand that imagery? Like it doesn't, it's not when you get to that place, then you can do this. It's that wherever we are on that mountain, we're doing this. We've got somebody in front of us and somebody behind us, and we're, we're holding on. Up here, we're holding on for dear life sometimes, right? And down here, sometimes we're holding on for dear life. Don't drop, don't slip, don't fall, right? We got, we're, we're trying that to pull each other towards Jesus, and, and, and to become more obedient followers of Christ. That's what discipleship is. So last week we talked about the importance of vulnerable community, both participating in it as a disciple, and then as a discipler, making disciples, I will facilitate a place and a time for someone else to be vulnerable. 
which means I'm not going to let my pride and my ego come out. I'm not going to show how awesome I am because I don't want to scare somebody away from sharing how horrible they are. Right? We, all have, we all have experiences. We all have sin and guilt. And it, so it's not about how awesome. It's all about how awesome God is in the midst of how horrible we all are. So yeah, when I facilitate vulnerable community, it's that place where I can have a safe environment. I provide a safe environment for somebody else to share, to open up, maybe some, ask some questions. Again, if you look at your bulletin, that insert for sermon notes, on the back of that are tons of questions. You're all here today. You're going to hopefully listen and hear a sermon, right? When you're done and you leave, you can engage one another in conversation with those discussion questions. You can talk more deeply about these things. You can look up the scriptures again and let it, let it mull around in your heart and let, let open, vulnerable community start to happen, right? People can share their hearts, share their struggles, share why they don't think it's true. Whatever it is, you can start talking about it. So facilitate vulnerable community and participate in it. Don't let those burdens that you carry be carried by yourself, right? Go to someone and, and let them help carry those burdens. Let them help grab your hand and take you and pull you up or lift you up. When we participate in vulnerable community, we're, we're opening up about our humanity, not about our perfection, right? We're opening up about our humanity. We, we admit that we're not perfect people. You know, we haven't arrived somewhere. We're all on this journey, this progressive sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. We'll, on this side of heaven, we're never going to be all that we should be. There's always room for improvement, and we want to grow in that, in that improvement. We want to grow in that obedience and, and grow in holiness so that we participate in vulnerable community because we haven't arrived. We are broken, unfinished people, amen? And we live in a fallen world, in a broken, fallen world. We experience depression. We experience burnout. We experience sickness and death and sadness and grief and dis disability. We experience emotional and relational strife, loneliness, we experience lust and anxiety, and the list goes on and on and on. We even experience times of doubt where we doubt God or we feel overwhelmed or inadequate with the roles that we are supposed to be filling. Maybe your role is to be a, a husband or a wife, or maybe it's the role of being a parent. Anyone out there feel adequate as a parent? No? Yeah. Inadequate? Right? How about an employee? Maybe you feel inadequate as an employee. Maybe just inadequate as a citizen or whatever it might be. There's all these inadequacies that well up within us. We need one another. We need to be able to, to share our hearts and our failures and, and learn from others of how they've overcome those things with help from the Spirit of God and God's Word and God's people. We need safe places to share our hearts. It's important that we have safe places to share our hearts so people can bear those burdens for us, right? We, we don't carry it alone. We bear those burdens with one another. We help bear those burdens. So it has to be a safe place that when someone offers a burden, you don't like, oh, I, don't, I can't believe you're doing that. We don't judge in that way. We say, I, I'm so sorry to hear that. Let's, how can I pray? How can we help? How can, I, how can I help you get out of that? You know, it, it's, it's really a good, good thing to do. When you look around the world, you see even Christian leaders. You see people that have fallen to sin, to temptation, to desire, who have fallen away from Christ. My first, my first response is, man, how do they do that? My second response, which should have been my first, is, you know what? I'm not above doing that. I'm not beyond doing that. We need to check our heart and be able to be real with people so we can grow confessing those sins and those failures and inadequacies with one another. It's so important to enter into vulnerable community. But listen, where we go to share and how you and I respond to those who do share is critically important to our spiritual growth. We have to go to a safe place, and we have to be a safe place. We have to treat those people's garbage and their junk and their mess-ups gingerly, with the truth, 
but with grace and compassion. And see, this leads us to today's sermon. Not only do we participate in vulnerable community, but then how do we deal with the stuff that's shared? We shepherd people towards submission. And there's five areas today we're going to look at. There's five areas, I think, that are, that are really important to understand when you're talking about discipleship. When you're talking to your disciple, right? You're, you're discipling somebody, you're reaching down. How can I, what are some questions I can ask? How can I help them climb up this mountain a little, little taller, a little stronger? How, how can I help shepherd them towards submission? These are five key areas. There, there are other areas we can submit, we see in Scripture. But I think these are five key things that, now, again, five. Five this way and five this way. So there's ten, right? We have to look at it both directions for us. How am I doing this this direction? And how am I going to facilitate it this direction? All right? So the first one. Well, before we do that, we're going to pray. And we're going to read the Scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us to come together to, to look at your word and, and God, to just to look at our heart as we do. God, we ask that you would search our hearts and you would, you would wreck our hearts if we need them wrecked. That God, you would, you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict us of sin. God, that you would move us into a place of obedience and repentance. God, that we, we would fall in line with you. God, our desire is to grow in our affections for Jesus. Help us do that. And God, as we see ourselves plainly today, as we look at Scripture, we see ourselves uh, being a disciple or being a discipler or both. God, I pray you'd put on our heart where we're not living up to your standard and God, where we could do better. Where we could actually take the responsibility upon ourselves to be disciples who make disciples. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read verses 11 through 16. We started this last week and read this, and I just think it has some very key elements of discipleship. And really, more, more than anything else, there's a key uh, goal. Like, this is the goal that the body of Christ should have. And we're going to see that as we read verses, four through, or sorry, verses 11 through 16 of chapter 4. And he himself, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until, so here's, here's the goal, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him, the whole body, fit, uh, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now that last verse there, we're, we're going to look at that next week more in depth as we talk about using our gifts. But today, we're talking about the goal again, the goal the goal of discipleship. See, we have not arrived. When we have trusted Christ as Savior, when we put our faith in Him and believe the gospel, that is where the story now begins. That's where the faith journey begins for us. As Christians, we are going to grow in that and mature in that. That is our goal. And the goal of, of us gathering together, the goal of us being disciples who make disciples, is, is right here it says that we would what? That we would build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Until you and I are on the same page, so, so closely together that we can, we can do it by instinct. We know who Jesus is. We know who's the center of our universe. We know that our affections are firmly in Him. And we're growing into maturity. 
right? Not, not immaturity, but we're taking, taking those immature lack of discipline areas and we're wiping them out and we're growing in those areas to become more disciplined. And we're measuring that. Our, here's our litmus test. Here's our measuring stick. What is it? It's not, not that person that's, that's the famous pastor of a mega church. It's not me or one of your elders at this church. It's not your Sunday school teacher. That's not the litmus test of how we should grow. It says that we are measured in a maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Who's the measuring stick? It's Jesus. And we are to grow and be conformed into the image of the Son. That's what God has, God has predestined that we do. That we, would, we have believed and that we would be, pre, or be conformed into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. We're on this journey. We call it progressive sanctification. We're moving towards more and more holiness, that we want to be more and more like Jesus. And, and that's the direction we need to go. That's why I kind of make it like a mountain, right? We're reaching up and reaching down, reaching, reach, or reaching forward and reaching back. It's discipleship. We want to grow in that. Listen, if you're satisfied just knowing Jesus and sitting in a seat and not doing anything else with your faith, you're missing it. You're missing it on, on many levels. You're missing being the most amazing light that you can be for the world around you, letting God's light radiate through you because you're just sitting there. There's not, no movement, no traction in your life. You're missing the opportunities you have to build and grow in relationship with other people. Listen, people need you. You need people. God has gifted us and graced us with one another. We are an agent or means of grace to other people. And other people are an agent or means of grace for us. They will help us grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now, you and I have to pick the right people, right? And, and, and we have to be the right people. Invest in that. Invest in that, that goal that we would be growing up in the unity of Christ and the knowledge of God's Son. It's so important for us to do. So we're going to look at th five different areas of submission, right? If, if shepherding towards submission is the goal, it means I should be shepherded as a disciple towards submission in these areas, and I should be shepherding my disciple towards submission in these areas as well. And listen, this is tough because this, this goes to judge the attitude of the heart. And really, that's what Jesus always does, doesn't he? He checks our heart. He, he doesn't care that you step in line. He doesn't care that you dress the right part. He doesn't care you checked off the boxes. He, want, he doesn't care if you give him lip service even. He looks at your heart and says, what's going on there? That's what I'm interested in. That's what I want. So God wants to have the victory over our heart. So today as we look at these areas of submission, we have to submit in these areas from the heart. Number one, what areas we submit? If we're shepherding towards submission, number one, we submit to God, right? Probably the smallest, easiest point I've ever made in any sermon, number one is God right? It's God. We submit to God. We surrender to God. I'm going to read a couple of, of different passages to you here, and you, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy. I'm going to read out of Matthew. Matthew 28 is the great commission. Jesus is about to ascend back to the Father, and he, he gathers the disciples, the, the believers together, and says, listen, here's my orders to you. Here's the instructions I'm giving you before I leave. He says this in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. He, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what does this have to do with this? Well, discipleship is you know, in there, make disciples. So he's talking to his disciples who have followed him, and he's, he's discipled, right? And he's talking to his disciples saying, go now and make disciples, well, there has to be a submission here. And what's that submission? Well, look at the first part. It says, all authority has been given to me. He starts off that way. He's like, listen, 
I'm in charge here, you're not. I'm in charge here. But see, here's the great part about Jesus. He says, I'm in charge here. Here's your marching orders. Here's, here's what I want to use to grow my kingdom. By the way, it's you. Go out and share the gospel. Go out and teach people all about me. Share the word of God. Make sure people know Jesus. He says, I'm in charge here. Not your priority, not your agenda, not your mission, mine. And at the very end, he says, and guess what? I won't leave you hanging. I'll be with you always. You know, we talk about that. I'm so inadequate. I'm such a failure. I'm not sufficient. Yes, you're right. Me too. Every every week, especially here, every week I feel so inadequate. But God is adequate. God is faithful. And when we are weak, then He is strong. We are all inadequate. But God chooses to take the weak things of the world to shame the wise, the foolish things of the world, right? To shame the wise. So people can come to know Him as Savior. He says, I'm in charge here. So we should submit to His authority. He's in charge. In Exodus, we see the Ten Commandments, right? When, when uh, Moses comes down from the mountain with the tablets and he, he has the commandments, I got this as a gift from Chris Adlard one year for Christmas. It's the Cowboy Commandments. They're hanging on in my office. There's Cowboy Commandments, you know, the y'alls and thou shalt nots and southern draw. But the first one, it says, first one, no other gods. That's it. No other gods, right? He says, I'm the Lord your God. There are no other gods. Don't have any other gods. If that isn't an indication for you and I to say, you know what? He's God. No one else is. He's God. I'm not. He's God. You're not. He's God. That's not. He is always God. When we talk about shepherding towards submission, when you and I are a disciple who looks up and says, I need to be discipled, I need to grow, we better be in the right place here that says God is God and no one else is going to be. I will forsake whatever God I'm embracing and leave it behind and throw it away or burn it, and I'm going to go after Him with all I've got. See, that's why it takes the attitude of the heart. That's why it takes humility, because we have so many things we've set up as gods. Now, you and I aren't going to say, well, I believe in you know, the God of this religion, or I believe in the God of this religion, and well, maybe you do, I don't know, you shouldn't, but you, you might not say that but you sure have a nice television at home or a brand new car, right? Or, or your, your favorite sports team. Today's the Super Bowl, all right? Go. No one? Go Rams. Someone say Rams. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You're not all, I, I almost wore a jersey today. I'm like, yeah, that's no other gods, right? No other gods. Only him. We need to check what's, what, what are the idols in our life. When we submit and surrender to God, we have to get rid of all other gods. There's no one else, no other gods. It's only Him. So you're in Deuteronomy. You've turned there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Matthew, or Matthew Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, I'm not going to find it that way. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, you might start again at the end, but Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, starting in verse 4. We'll read verses 4 and 5 here together. Talking about the attitude of the heart again, right? We want to submit to God, but it's all in the heart. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the goal, right? That's the instruction to us. That we, we don't just have no other gods, but that we have that God as our deepest affection, that from the heart of who we are, we say He's first. It's not enough just to say, okay, God's no other gods, and God's number one. It's, it, the, the affections of our heart have to say that. Before the affections of our heart can say that, we can't really say that about God. 
He has to be number one. We want to submit to God. So when you're in discipleship, when you're, you're being a disciple, you want that, that discipler, that person ahead of you, you want them to challenge you. Are, is this a God in your life? Is this a God in your life? Are you trusting in something you shouldn't be trusting in? You, we want to be challenged that way. And when you're a discipler, you should be asking those questions too. Is this a God for you? Are you making this more important than God? Is the outcome of this situation more important to you than God or trusting God? Is if, if you don't get your way and you get only this way, are you going to throw a fit about it and not trust God anymore? Where is the affection of your heart? Where are you surrendering and submitting your heart? Do you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? We're to submit to God. Number two, we're to submit to God's Word. We're to submit to God's Word. So we should be shepherded towards submitting to God's Word, and we should shepherd others to submit to God's Word. Going on in Deuteronomy, we're same passage there. It says, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord your God, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And then it says these words, right, verse 6, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. God's word is to be prevalent everywhere. That it should just be permeated in everything about our lives. Everywhere we go, it's about God's word. And listen, here's the question I ask people. If I'm, if I'm discipling someone, and they bring up a scenario. They've, they've had a vulnerable community with me. They've shared their heart. They've shared their burden. They've shared their sin. Then, then I'll, I'll probably share some scripture. Or I'll ask this question. In view of your knowledge of God's word, what should you do? In view of what you know from God's word, what should you do? That to me is huge. Because that's, that's the litmus test, right? We're measured by Christ's fullness and we obey God's word. It's so important for us to get this. And, and I, some, some, I've heard some conversations and some discussions that people have balked at this recently, right? Even in our, in our church, we, we start talking about how we're teaching or why we're teaching or what we're teaching and, and, or, or not supporting certain kind of behavior or supporting a certain kind. And people want, well, why not? Because this is what God's Word tells us. We are not proper disciples if we are not submitting to the authority of God through His written Word. I would not be an appropriate or a proper preacher or teacher if I am not preaching and teaching you God's Word. If I'm giving you my own ideas and my own thoughts, that's wrong. As a disciple, I need to be challenged from my discipler are you living by God's word or are you doing your own thing? Oh, I, I believe the word. I believe, I believe it. I'm following, I'm following the spirit of the law. Oh, not quite the letter, huh? So you're, you're kind of saying you're interested in it but not really doing it. Is, is this going to be what we follow or not? I mean, you're here today and, and I'm here today, so we're probably, probably saying, hey, this is really important to us. We want to follow that. It should be. It should be central to us. And it shouldn't just be like, yeah, I know the word. I can quote those scriptures. I, I get it. But, see, there's always a but, isn't there? There's always that excuse we use. It's like, well, I don't know. The, I, yeah, it says that, but is it still for our time today? I don't know. Does God change? Did he write a new letter to us? Did he give us different instructions? I don't think so. Right? We ask those questions. Is this sufficient for us? 
So when we talk about teaching uh, from, from the pulpit in a, in a church gathering, or we talk about teaching from Sunday school classes or, or in small groups or community groups, or we talk about discipleship, this should be central. Yes, we should have a vulnerable community. Yes, we should cry on each other's shoulder. Yes, we should bear our heart and confess our sins. Yes, we should have the lament going on. But when that's all said and done, we lift our eyes back to God and His Word. We say, God, where, where would you have us go from here? And see, that, that's why this takes humility, right? That's why it takes the heart. Because if, if my heart's not there, if I don't want to do what it says, I'm not going to. And discipleship's not going to work for me. It's going to end with, tears and crying, and then you'll leave and come back and cry and have tears again, or the same things that you never changed because you never wanted to follow God or His Word. You and I have to submit and surrender our heart to be submissive to God and submissive to His Word. Well, Brandon, you don't quite understand. I do understand, and Scripture understands. James 1.22 says this, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And it goes on. It gets worse. Or better, Right? Be hearers of the word and not doers only, which means, hey, don't just hear it, listen to it, and not do it. But what it's indicating next is this be hearers of the word and not doers, or be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we are not doers of the word, if we don't ask the question, in view of God's word, what should I do? And then do it, we're only hearing it and then going about our business, deceiving ourselves that we really love this. That's, that's the truth. That's what God's word says. That if I'm only a hearer, I'm only listening, I'm only regurgitating what I heard in Sunday school, but it hasn't hit my heart and caused me to do it, I'm being deceived. I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving me. Oh, yeah, I love the Word of God. I love Jesus. And then the next phrase is, but I want to do my own thing. This has to be where the buck stops. Turn to Psalm 118, 119 with me. Psalm 119. Right about the middle of the Bible. Go there, go maybe a little to the right. Nope, left. Psalm 119. Long, long chapter of Scripture. I think it's the longest uh, psalm in Scripture. We're only going to read all, all of it today. No, we're only going to read uh, eight verses of it today. But I would really encourage you, and I, it's on the back of your sermon notes, to read more of this, right? maybe more of this together in your group. Read all of it. It has so much to do with God's Word. And, and, and see, here's, here's where it is. Like right now, it kind of sits as, Brandon, this is kind of a bummer. You tell me I just have to get in line and shape up. Well, okay, part of it. But there's more to it. When we talk about God's word, we're talking about the humility and humbling of the heart. That we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And that when we go to his word, it's because he impacts our heart. As we've loved him and his word comes in and dwells in us, it changes us, it transforms us. We should want that. Not just to fill out a list and check things off the, off the boxes, right? Check things off the list. Here's Psalm 119, 1 through 8. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their what? Heart. So it's not just like, keeping the law is going to do good for me. Although that's true. If, you, if, if someone was not even a believer, if they came to the Word of God and said, I'm just going to live by this as far as the, my, my attitude in my life or the structure of my life, you would do well. Like, it, 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 would, you're, it would go well for you, right? You avoid a lot of heartache because of the instruction there. But what, what the psalmist writes here is says, basically going to reverse it, set up an equation. My daughter does equations now for first grade math, right? She can bring it home, loves, loves math homework, and she does her little equations. Two plus four equals it, and it makes these, I don't even know what they are anymore, common core math stuff. Two plus two is still four, though. 
But it says this, she, she says, or in verse 2, it says, Happy are those who keep his decrees, that's his word, right? And seek him with all their heart. See, the equation has to start with, I'm going to seek him with all my heart. From the depths and recesses of who I am, everything I am belongs to him. My satisfaction is going to be in him alone. And when we start there and then go to his decrees, we follow it and are happy in, in, in them. That's what it produces. It produces this blessing, this happiness, and this joy because we're following what God wants us to follow. And we did it from our heart. I mean, I'm a parent. I, I, know, I know when my kids are joyfully obedient, and I know my, when my kids are not joyfully obedient. It's a bummer. It's a bummer to have to obey. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's... There, we, we, uh, my wife and I started a, a, like a keto diet you know, about a year and a half ago or so, right? And when we started that, they had the keto flu. And you're coming off of carbs. I'm, I'm kidding you not. Carbohydrates, sugars, right? Just taking some sugar. Sugar's like a drug. And when you stop taking sugar, you like detox. Like I, withdrawals. I was an angry, angry person. Like I don't, I'm just telling you, sugar does bad things to me. And, and when, I, when I was coming off of that, I mean, I had these sweats and I was irritated so easily. And, and I had to not pick fights with my kids. Like, not, not, that's not right. I had to not choose certain battles because I knew I would have to win and I would not win well. So I just, I was like, for a couple days, I'm like, what, you guys do whatever you want. I'm just, <laughs> just chilling here trying to figure it out, right? But we, what we want is not that kind of a bummer of a routine. We want, we want to do it from the heart. We want to invest in our children so that they will want to obey from the heart. So, and, and as disciples, we want to reach up and say, my disciple, I, 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 I love God with all my heart. See, here's the deal. We think that when we go to a discipler, like if, if I'm reaching up to this person, we're going to them, it's almost like I'm going to go to the principal's office now and they're going to tell me everything I'm doing wrong and how to do better. Don't go, to, go, don't go into it with that attitude. I mean, they're going to, they could do that for you. But go into it with a different attitude. Go into, go, you go into it not saying, okay, what do you have for me? Saying, listen, I want God's word so much. Here's the 10 areas of life we need to cover today. Help me figure it out. I just want to, I'm so hungry for him. That's going to, that's going to make that disciple be like, oh, that's, that's a lot easier than trying to point out and, and pry and pull apart your life. We just volunteer that, but we, we have to come with an open heart, right? It has to start right here. Same is true if you're discipling someone else. You want to facilitate that kind of environment, that vulnerable community, and say, listen, how, how can I help? How can, we, how can I look at your life? Or are there areas that you're struggling in? What can we do to, to look at God's word and, and kind of get back on track where we need to go? That, that's discipleship. It's not, again, not just about the sad stories of life. It's about taking the sad stories of life, picking up people, dusting them off, fixing their eyes on Jesus, fixing their eyes on the word of God, surrendering, surrendering to him. Sorry, we only got through verse two. Here we go, verse three. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were, were, were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. So there's that shame thing. Like Shame can disappear as we follow God obediently and desire or follow God repentantly. Like, God, I didn't follow you today. I want to do better. My heart is to follow you more fully. And it says, verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all of my heart. Do not let me wander from your commands. In verse 11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. 
we, if we're going to submit, if we're going to be shepherded towards submission or shepherd towards submission, we need to increase our affections in God and increase the affections of our heart for his word. That's how we submit there. Number three, we submit to the Holy Spirit. Listen, we all have this conscious thing going on, right? If we're a Christ follower, it, it, and it, sometimes it bugs you. Like, why am I feeling guilty about this? Because God's saying, don't do it. God says that would be a bummer to, ha- to do that. I want to read a passage out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And, and there's more to read. You can read that more in the discussion. Uh, I, I say then, Paul says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so you do not do what you want. Right? We have this constant war going on. Right? We, we still live in this fallen world, and, and we have these propensities towards sin. Although we are no longer chained to that. We don't have to do that. We can, we can obey God. Well, how do we let it win? See, here, here's what happens. We, uh, I, I don't know where I heard this. It's, it's changed and morphed so many stories. But basically, there's, there's two things within. There's the Spirit of God, and there's the flesh that are having a battle out within us. And the question is, who's going to win? And, and here's what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't ask that question like, man, who's going to win today? I'm, I'm just, I'm in, in, that, in that anticipation, right, that dread. The answer to who's going to win is who you feed more. If we're submissive to God and to his word, we're obviously filling the spirit and, and, and feeding the spirit within us. And the spirit's going to win out more often. If we are not doing that and we're feeding into our own desires, our own pleasures, our own, our own lusts by what we watch or read or what we engage in in conversation, then guess who's going to win? The flesh is going to win. So for you and I, we ought to put ourselves in a place where someone's going to help hold us accountable to feeding and being filled with the Spirit of God. The same is true this way. I want to put somebody in a position where they're going to be able to be filled from God's Word and God's Spirit instead of in a position to gratify the desires of their flesh. This isn't even about, is this a sin or is this not a sin? This is about setting up boundaries and guardrails for your heart. I know Andy Stanley did a series on this a long time ago, guardrails, and we did, we did that in, in church in several of our small groups. He, he, think about a guardrail on a highway. Where they put the guardrail is actually a safe place to drive, right? It, because it's stopping you from what? Going any farther where it's unsafe. So when you have a cliff, they don't put the guardrail on the edge of the cliff or over the cliff. They put it inside or right on the shoulder. So you could actually, if there wasn't a guardrail there, you could probably park there. It's not not allowed, it's just not a good idea to go any farther because we want to bump you back towards center. We want to keep you back in line. So setting up those guardrails in our life help us to not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Right? We don't want to feed on those things or even inklings of those things. You know how it is, right? You're, you're on social media or you're on the internet or you're watching TV and a movie and you're, you're like, well, uh, this is okay, and, but that leads to the next thing. And you click on this one, it goes deeper and it gets further. By the time you know it, you're like, wait, there was a guardrail somewhere there and I missed it and I'm over the edge. Right? Setting those guardrails up in our lives and having someone help us do that and helping somebody do that is a huge part of discipleship. And it's a huge part of helping us be, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be submissive to the Holy Spirit. Number four. Oh, before I say that, real quick, I want you to understand, as, we, as we've looked at this, this is not a list of here's what you need to do when you leave here, church. This is a you and I have to get our hearts in a position to be submissive to God and to God's Word and to God's people. We're going to see that in a few minutes. But listen, this is not discipleship. When we talk about discipleship uh, and the gospel, it's not a quick fix kind of thing. It's not a band-aid situation, right? 
We get a band-aid because we got a little, little boo-boo. We look at sin and the, the effect of sin, and, and people have, have described this as a cancer. Sin is a cancer within us. Rots us and destroys us within. Band-aids don't fix cancer. This is a long haul, get it in your system and get it flushed out type of situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we surrender our hearts to God, it's not like, oh, put this Band-Aid on so I look right. No, it's not that. It's like, let's, let's do some major surgery. Let's get some, ma- some big things, big stuff inside to take care of what's going on inside. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. So it's about the heart when we go to submit to God. It's about the heart when we submit to His Word. It's about the heart when we submit to the Holy Spirit and, and feed it the most. Number four, we should submit to our spiritual leaders. We submit to our spiritual leaders. I read this passage last, uh, last week. It's from uh, Acts chapter 4, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, that is the Christians of the time, the Christians in, at, the, at the point of early church history, they devoted themselves to several things that are all equally awesome and important. But one of the things they devoted themselves was to the apostles' teaching. Like, listen, when you and I surrender and put ourselves under the authority of a teacher teaching God's word, whether it be from the pulpit, in a Sunday school class, in a small group, community group, that is a good place to be because we are submitting our hearts. We're coming there ready to learn and ready to glean something. There are people that God has gifted to be teachers of God's word, and we should sit under that willingly and gladly to listen and grow. I, I can't tell you how rewarding it is that we have other elders in our church who preach. It is so nice to be able to sit and listen to what they have to, to share from their heart, from the power of the Holy Spirit about God's Word. It's refreshing to learn and, and listen under their teaching. Under their teaching, right? Just I said last week, I, I'm not up on this platform as some, oh, look at me. I'm with you. I want to grow. I want to know God more. I want to submit to my spiritual leaders, those who are maybe my discipler, right? Someone preaching other than me, a Sunday school teacher, a community group leader, even an older, wiser Christian who just has in, insight and, and wants to share but devoting ourselves to that, that we would submit to our spiritual leaders. Hebrews goes on to talk about this more in detail in chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews in 13 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as ones who will give an account. That's amazing. That's, that's, that is a heavy burden for someone like me as a, as a leader, as a, as a spiritual leader. I want you to understand that. But, but a couple qualifications here. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Never do that unless they are called by God, gifted by God, submissive to God. Right? If we have some leader that's absolutely wacko, teaching crazy stuff and telling us to do crazy things, we should not obey and should not submit because God and His Spirit and His Word are actual authority. And, the, and every leader who is called by God should be submissive to this. This is the litmus test. Okay? But it says, submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as ones who will give an account. Now, it goes on, it says, so that... So the, the, the obey and submit says obey and submit so that they can do this with joy and not grief. Talk about the parenting illustration earlier, right? Isn't it it's so great when, you're, when your kids obey, when your kids are obedient, it's like, oh, there's a breath of fresh air. They're doing their thing. They're folding the laundry right. They're not complaining. They're not fighting. It's awesome, right? It's a joy for parents when children obey and are obedient. It doesn't mean parents always get it right. It's just a joy to have children that obey. Right? And the opposite is true, right? When children don't obey, when it's a struggle and a fight, and when you come for advice and we give you the advice, or you, you ask a question and we gave you the answer and you didn't listen to the answer, so you ask it again. I mean, on and on. It does not become a joy for parents anymore in that. 
Same is true of your leaders, right? If you and I put ourselves in a position, in a spiritual position, to be discipled by somebody else, we ought to listen very closely and obey their advice. Now, we should always test everything against Scripture, right? Make sure that it's sound doctrine, that it's sound, sound truth. But if they're helping you submit to the Word, that's where it should have come from. That wisdom is where it should have come from. Because here's what happens. We, we go to a leader. I, I go to my, my discipler and say, listen, I'm struggling with this. And well, here's the word. Go do this instead. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Maybe it's to go reconcile with somebody or go apologize or you know, go fall on my sword and humble myself. And, I'm, and I come back. To, ah. They ask, did you do that? Well, no, I didn't do that. Why not? Because I wasn't feeling it. I, was, I just, I don't know if I can be humble. I'm like, okay, well, that's a problem. And, and it's not a joy anymore, right? There's not a joy in your disciples heart because you've obeyed now you've disobeyed and you've, you're still going rogue and go doing your own thing and it says it says this will not be profitable for you well there's two things i think that will not be profitable one is that you're doing something against god's word but more importantly the relationship strain that it causes that's what this verse is more talking about that we should obey our leaders and submit to them Right? They keep watch over us so, so that we, we can obey, so that it brings them joy. And when you have a happy leader, they want to be more passionate, more excited, better leaders, giving you better, better things. And if we disobey, it says that now they're just bummed out. It's a bummer, right? It's a bummer for those that are our leaders when we don't do what they've counseled us to do. And it's, if it's a bummer, then it's, there's a strain in a relationship. I've done this with counseling, and I know others have too, probably with me, where people have come for counsel, and we've prayed together and sought the word together, and I've given them counsel, and here's the things to do. And they leave, and they come back, and they have the same problem again. They never did anything about it, and it continues to go on and on and on. Eventually, I just do this. I'm done. Until you accomplish what we've talked about 30 times, don't come back. Because it's just a bummer. We should obey we should desire within us as disciples, we should desire to submit to the people God has placed in authority and leadership over us. Like, give me counsel. What should I do? I'm going to do that. And, and, and listen, just like parents, sometimes leaders get it wrong. So, but go obey and come back and say, you know what, I, I really tried that. and I, this, this is what happened. Can we go to plan B? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I, I, let's look at plan B. That's okay, but, but obey and br- let, let it bring joy. Number five, our last one, goes with this as well with leaders. Uh, we should be submissive to brothers and sisters in Christ. That when we come together, that there's, there's, God's Spirit is amongst us. And that God has given us gifts and talents and, and uh, ways to encourage one another deeply. Maybe it's with a song, maybe it's with a word, maybe it's with a prophecy, maybe it's with a text, maybe, whatever it is. That we could share that, maybe it's with a prayer. That we should be submissive and looking for that and listening to that, listening to that for, in one another. Now certainly we're all in different parts of this path and journey. But this, this gathering together of the believers should breed excitement and encouragement within us, which makes us grow as disciples in Christ. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, Brothers and sisters, you know the household, uh, household of Stephanus. They are the first fruits of Achaia and have devoted themselves to serving the saints. So he's talking about this household of people who, who is ministering. Like they're, they're just on fire and they'd love Jesus and they're loving God's people. It says, I urge you. So Paul says, I urge you also submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them 
So not only to submit to that household, but everyone who's working with them, and they're on the same page, they are working for the kingdom, you ought to submit to them. You ought to be submissive to one another. Get in that fellowship, get in that gathering, and see what God's going to do. It's not about being a Lone Ranger Christian, right? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. It's about being together. It's about sharing and, and, sharing and gleaning and, and growing in, in encouragement from God's Word and from our experiences. last passage I want to read is out of Ephesians chapter 5, it's verses 15 through 21. Let's sum it up, right? Pay careful attention then how you live. Again, careful attention, right? In the heart, careful attention to how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. Okay, listen, what he's saying is, you're going to go out those doors and get just barraged with all kinds of evil, all kinds of temptation, all kinds of debauchery. It's going to be in your face. We're going to watch a Super Bowl later on, and a lot of those commercials are going to just tempt us. They're, they're, design, they're commercials. They're designed to do it. I mean, you should just turn them off, right? Halftime show, probably not a good idea. Right? I mean, it, the world wants to just throw everything at us and say it's good when it's not. Paul's saying that. You're going to go out. Watch out. Keep careful watch. As you go out, be on guard. Be alert. Pay attention. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. But be filled with the Spirit. This goes back to the Galatian passage, right? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Feed the Spirit, not the flesh. And it goes on in verse 19 saying what this looks like. As someone is filled by the Spirit, what does it look like? So what does it look like in our midst, in our gathering, and with each other, even outside of these doors? What should it look like? As we're filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of Christ or in reverence to God. It's from the heart that we would enter into that time and ask, God, what do you have in store from us through us? What are you going to do here? But it takes being careful and being alert and being watchful about that. So listen, our, our stories of Christian growth don't end with vulnerable community, right? Rather, they, the vulnerable community should point us then to the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the truth, right? You and I have all sinned. We're all wrecks. We all have all messes of our life. And, and through our sin, we have separated ourselves and become far away from God. And the only solution is found in Jesus Christ. He, God did not say, man, you really messed up. If only you would do this, 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 and this, and, and do it fully, uh, and I know you can, then you'll be okay. He said, no, I've given you these things to show you that you can't do it. There's nothing you can do to be efficient or sufficient on your own. But God sent his son, while we were sinners, to die on our behalf for us, die in a place that we deserve to die. He died a death we deserved to die. And he died so that we could be free from the have-tos. And God said, I, I want to give you freedom so that you can come to me and obey, that you can come to me and have freedom. And see, when we enter into a faith relationship with Jesus, that binds us. That gives us a, a righteousness that we never earned, that was only from him, and it seals us in eternity with him. But as we grow, what it means is I don't have to be perfect. I, I, I want to grow and be better, but I can share my hardship. I can share my heartache. I can share and confess my sin to one another, that I would be healed and I would grow from that. 
It's such an important thing to move from vulnerable community. And in vulnerable community, then, that should point us, those people in that community should point us then to the cross of Christ and the sufficiency found there. And those people should point us not only to the cross of Christ and the redemption of Jesus, but they should point us to the Word of God, that this is our source. This is where we find our sufficiency. This is where our affections should grow. I hope that you and I will not only strive to lead others to God, to God's Word and His people, but that we would also seek to have someone do the same for us. That's discipleship. It's not from one person to this. It's one-on-one, one-on-two, and growing. We can disciple so many more that way. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Father, we're so thankful for the time you've given us to be together. We're thank you, thankful for the word of God that you've given us to open up and to be ins- inspired by and informed from. God, we, we really do, and, and God, I, I pray that, that the real desire of our heart is that our affections would grow continuously for God, that our affections would grow continuously for God's word, and our affections would grow continuously for God's people. Help us to be the people you've called us to be, the disciples you've called us to be, disciples who who see the necessity of being discipled and the importance of making disciples as well. God, we entrust that to you. We know that we are inadequate, that we are not sufficient, but we know who is, and we know that you promised to be with us in that endeavor. Guide us as we go there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we close, it's our...